This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. As you've probably noticed, if you've been listening for the past couple of episodes, we've changed things up a bit in the format of Equipping Eve. The podcast is much shorter now, uh, so hopefully you find that that fits into your schedule a little bit better. It definitely fits into mine better. Uh, Send me a note. Let me know what you think. Um, EquippingEve at gmail.com or find me on Facebook or Twitter or uh, EquippingEve.com. With that, ladies, I'm going to jump right in. If you can turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Luke chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 49 and 50. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Those seem to be verses that we don't talk about very often. Now, flip backward, ladies, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. John said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. This is the parallel account in Mark. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about in this little tiny short account. It's a little bit longer in Mark than in Luke, oddly, since Mark is so fast and quick. And it's, uh, these verses just struck me. I've been thinking about this particular account a lot lately, especially in light of all of the tribes, if you will. And if you know me at all, you know I hate that word, but it's actually accurate, which irritates me even more. All of the tribes that seem to be forming within evangelicalism. Now, if you're not on social media, then you don't see this as much. And I would say, lucky you. Um, chances are, if you're listening to a podcast, you probably are a little bit on social media. So you might have seen this a bit. And I'm not picking on one particular tribe. I'm talking about all of the tribes. And I can't believe I'm using that word. Um, all of the cliques, all of these segments of evangelicalism, of Christianity um, that I'm seeing and that we've started to divvy up into. And what is most grievous is the way that we can't seem to coexist with one another because we don't all agree on every single issue. And instead, we end up devouring each other over secondary and tertiary issues. This is what's happening. And we're developing an animosity toward other Christians just because we disagree on, like I say, secondary and tertiary issues. That's a problem, ladies. That's not okay. I mean, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, but they don't, he didn't follow us, and we tried to stop him. Jesus says, do not stop him. And so I read these accounts again, and I thought, what 
does one of my favorite commentators say on these particular verses. And so I'm going to share with you from J.C. Ryle his expository thoughts on Luke, and then we're going to go into his expository thoughts on Mark. And as you might imagine, there'll be some similarities, but his words are so perfect. Uh, I couldn't say it any better. I wouldn't possibly say it any better, so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to let J.C. Ryle speak for the rest of the podcast here. So this is J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark, or I'm sorry, on Luke. On these particular verses, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 49 and 50, Ryle says, The conduct of John and the disciples on this occasion is a curious illustration of the oneness of human nature in every age. Thousands in every period of church history have spent their lives in copying John's mistake. They have labored to stop every man who will not work for Christ in their way from working for Christ at all. They have imagined in their petty self-conceit that no man can be a soldier of Christ unless he wears their uniform and fights in their regiment. They have been ready to say of every Christian who does not see everything with their eyes, forbid him, forbid him, for he followeth not with us. The solemn remark of our Lord Jesus Christ on this occasion demands our special notice. He pronounces no opinion upon the conduct of the man of whom John speaks. He neither praises nor blames him for following an independent course and not working with his disciples. He simply declares that he must not be forbidden, and that those who work the same kind of work that we do should be regarded not as enemies, but allies. He that is not against us is for us. The principle laid down in this passage is of great importance. A right understanding of it will prove most useful to us in these latter days. The divisions and varieties of opinion which exist among Christians are undeniably very great. The schisms and separations which are continually arising about church government and modes of worship are very perplexing to tender consciences. Shall we approve those divisions? We cannot do so. Union is strength. The disunion of Christians is one cause of the slow progress of vital Christianity. Shall we denounce and hold up to public reprobation all who will not agree to work with us and to oppose Satan in our way? It is useless to do so. Hard words never yet made men of one mind. Unity was never yet brought about by force. What then ought we to do? We must leave alone those who do not agree with us and wait quietly till God shall think fit to bring us together. Whatever we may think of our divisions, the words of our Lord must never be forgotten. Forbid them not. The plain truth is that we are all too ready to say, We are the men, and wisdom shall die with us, from Job 12. We forget that no church on earth has an absolute monopoly of all wisdom, and that people may be right in the main without agreeing with us. We must learn to be thankful if sin is opposed and the gospel preached and the devil's kingdom pulled down, though the work may not be done exactly in the way we like. We must try to believe that men may be true-hearted followers of Jesus Christ, and yet for some wise reason may be kept back from seeing all things in religion just as we do. And this is me speaking here, ladies. We must realize that maybe we're the ones who are wrong. Right? We won't know till we get to heaven. Continuing with J.C. Ryle, Above all, we must praise God if souls are converted and Christ is magnified, no matter who the preacher may be and to what church he may belong. Happy are those who can say with Paul, If Christ be preached, I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. And with Moses, Envious thou for my sake? 
Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that all did prophesy. It's kind of an interesting thought, isn't it, ladies? Because we're so quick to talk about unity, but what we really mean, I think, as is evidenced by our behavior and our words, what we really mean is unity with people who think exactly like us. 100% got to be just like us. I am of MacArthur, and I am of Sproul, and I am of the SBC, or whatever. Hold up. Is Christ being proclaimed? Just because it's not done exactly the way we do it doesn't make it wrong. Like I said, ladies, maybe we're the ones who are wrong. I know it's hard to think about. But as someone who has been worked on by God in terms of my theology, and I venture to say all of you could say that you have changed in some aspect of your beliefs over the course of your Christian life, unless you're a new believer, as we study scripture more and God opens it up more, we change our mind on things, secondary issues, tertiary issues. We don't change our mind on the gospel because that doesn't change, right? But there are things we can disagree on. So now I stand as someone who used to be in one camp and now is in another on minor things. And yet I see people within those two camps wanting to just beat each other with Nerf baseball bats. And I don't understand. It's so... Silly. Just because they're not in our camp, they're not on our team. Okay, now I'm reading, ladies, from Mark, uh, J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. So this is uh, his thoughts on Mark chapter 9. J.C. Ryle says, Here is a golden rule indeed, and one that human nature sorely needs and has too often forgotten. Men of all branches of Christ's church are apt to think that no good can be done in the world unless it is done by their own party and denomination. They are so narrow-minded that they cannot conceive the possibility of working on any other pattern but that which they follow. They make an idol of their own peculiar ecclesiastical machinery and can see no merit in any other. They are like him who cried when Eldad and Medad prophesied in the camp, My Lord Moses forbid them. To this intolerant spirit, we owe some of the blackest pages of church history. Christians have repeatedly persecuted Christians for no better reason than that which is here given by John. They have practically proclaimed to their brethren, you shall either follow us or not work for Christ at all. Let us be on guard against this feeling. It is only too near the surface of all our hearts. Let us study to realize that liberal, tolerant spirit, which Jesus here recommends. Yeah, think about that. And be thankful for good works wheresoever and by whomsoever done. Let us beware of the slightest inclination to stop and check others merely because they do not choose to adopt our plans or work by our side. We may think our fellow Christians mistaken in some points. We may fancy that more would be done for Christ if they would join us and if all worked in the same way. We may see many evils arising from religious dissensions and divisions, but all this must not prevent us rejoicing if the works of the devil are destroyed and souls are saved. Is our neighbor warring against Satan? Is he really trying to labor for Christ? 
This is the grand question. Better a thousand times that the work should be done by other hands than not done at all. Happy is he who knows something of the spirit of Moses when he said, Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and of Paul when he says, If Christ is preached, I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Ladies, if you remember uh, those words from Paul that Ryle quoted in both of his commentaries here on Luke and on Mark are from Philippians. So if you still have your Bibles open, ladies, turn quickly to Philippians with me, and I'm getting there myself. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to give a little context here. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Remember, Paul's writing from prison here. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So Paul is saying he rejoices if Christ is proclaimed, even by men whose hearts are not genuine and whose, whose motivation is not godly, because Christ is still proclaimed. God can still use that. And so if Paul is ready to say that, of people who were in their hearts working against him, but they were proclaiming Christ, and so Christ, the gospel, was still preached. If Paul can say, hey, I'm going to rejoice because Christ is preached, then why do we have so much difficulty with people who don't agree with us on these secondary issues? And I'm purposely not listing the issues out that I'm thinking of, and I'm purposely not calling out specific groups of people because this is rampant everywhere within Christianity, at least as I am seeing it being portrayed on places like social media. And ladies, the world is watching. And if Paul can say, you know what, I rejoice because Christ is proclaimed. If Jesus says with a, as Ryle said, liberal and tolerant spirit, do not forbid him then who are we to forbid them unless they are preaching a false gospel? If that is not happening, ladies, if Christ is proclaimed, then these are our brothers and sisters, and we should not bite and devour one another. We need each other, even in our disagreements. So my endorsement for today, ladies, is a book by, well, by Michael Horton, but kind of compiled because there are different essays in there by different authors. Um, And of course, Horton contributes as well. Uh, The book is called Christ the Lord, the Reformation and Lordship Salvation. Um, Do not dismiss it based on the title. I think you'll be interested to see uh, what is discussed here in this particular book. Uh, Here's the list of the other authors of uh, the different essays. Robert Godfrey, Michael Horton, of course, Alistair McGrath, Kim Riddlebarger, Rick Ritchie, Rod Rosenblatt, Paul Schaefer, and Robert Strimple. Uh, I highly recommend this book, ladies. It will challenge you, I think many of you. Um, But it's it's not a difficult read. It's not uh, highly academic, um, but it's not, you know, uh, fluff and puff either. So it's kind of a nice uh, balance if you're looking for a 
uh, a little bit heavier book to read, um, perhaps. So that's my recommendation for today, ladies, and just as a parting thought and a parting encouragement, you know, where where in our lives are we maybe being like John here in these this Luke and this Mark passage? Saying, you know, Lord, we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. So where is that in our own hearts? And I say ours because I I can fall to this too. As Ryle says, this is in all of our hearts. And where might we need to hear the words of Jesus on this? Do not forbid them. Just something to think about, ladies. Until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.